0: Lord God, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that you hear us. You hear every prayer, every worship. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, and for your love for us. We just pray this morning that you would open our hearts for what you have for us this morning. Help us, God, to Humble ourselves before you and to receive your word with humility and to abide in it, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. If you're new, my name is Jonas Ramos. I'm from Mozambique, Africa. <laughs> um, I'll be sharing God's Word this morning with you, and it's always a joy to be able to do this, Um, and it's something that we cannot take for granted or take lightly, so it's a privilege to stand here and just um, share the Word with you. Uh, This week we're continuing with our series in the Book of Romans, Uh, we'll be in chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse, verses 16 through 25. If you, if you have your Bibles, please grab them and go to the book of Romans. Um, I'm going to read, uh, starting from verse 16 through 25, but because of the way it starts, uh, the verse 16, the way it starts, I think I'm going to start with verse six, uh, 15. The previous verse, it says, For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And as it's written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he, sh- he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith. When he considered his own body, which was as good as, as, good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him wa- waver concerning the, pra- the promise of God. But he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he, has, what he had Promised. That is why his faith was cons- or was counted to him as righteousness. But the w- words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours too. You will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up to our trespass- for our trespasses and reason for our justification. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray once again. Lord, your word is life. We pray, God, that you speak to us this morning through it. And just help us, God, to submit. Help us to humble ourselves and to follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, this morning I'm going to start uh, my sermon with um, an illustration about this ceremony that takes place in my culture. It's a ceremony that is intended to kind of draw people close to God, supposedly. Um, in the local language, it's called Esataka. Um, I know it's, it's weird, it's something that you don't understand, but um, that is how we call it in, in Makua, right, the language that I that I um, grew up speaking. Um, What happens in that that ceremony is every time somebody is going through trouble in life, every time somebody is having um, difficulties and things do not seem to be going well in their lives, the assumption is that the gods are angry with them. Um, And so the ancestors are involved in that and so they carry out this ceremony ceremony where the idea is to appease the gods, appease their ancestors uh, to kind of erase that anger that they have against them so that things can start going well in their lives and so what happens is um, family gathers and they they talk about it, and, you know, they talk about what has been happening in the family, all the misfortune that's been going on, and, and they gather food and different things, and, you know, they gather together, and they make the food, and the first thing they do is to find a tree somewhere, and they put the food in there as they pray, in quotation marks, pray in that tree to their ancestors and the gods for them to erase whatever is wrong and, uh, so that their lives can, be, can start to go well again and so this is something that is done um, so the food is there and everybody goes away they go back home and they eat the rest of the food and they, uh, you know, it's a feast, right? They're, everybody's happy and they sing and dance whatever they can do and so everybody, at the end of the party, everybody goes home. Now, at night, cats and dogs come over and eat that food, okay? They eat it because the dogs are not fed the way, they're not fed properly, right? <laughs> so they come over and they eat all that food and the cats come o- eat all that food and they'll go away. The next morning, if those people could go there and they don't find that food... They praise the gods that they have eaten the food. Okay, The gods have eaten the food that they were given. So they have received all those prayers. And the reason why I'm saying this is because it's something that people have in their minds that, you know, if they do that to the gods, they'll give them fortune. They'll forgive them for whatever it is that they have done wrong. But what Paul tells us is something completely, completely different. God does not forgive us because of the things that we do to Him. Um, On the contrary, it's by His grace that He gives us righteousness. It's by His grace that He saves us. It's by His mercy that He forgives our sins, not because of anything any party that we throw to him, not because of any ceremony that we do to him, not because of anything that we might think that we have done better to him. None of that. But simply because of his grace, because of his mercy, um, he gives us that which we do not deserve. Now, this morning, as we get into the book of Romans, um, Paul talks about a word here that is very, very important, the word grace. Um, And it's right in verse 16. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace. And the word grace is a word that is a very kind of religious word that is mostly used in religious uh, context circles, um, you know, Church-going people uh, mostly use this verse, I mean mean this word. Um, It's important for us to know that God's grace is receiving what we do not deserve. And the word mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Okay, so there are those two words, grace and mercy. Now, if we think about the word grace, receiving that which we do not deserve... What is it that we do not deserve? We're going to f- go to that uh, later on in the sermon. But first, let's talk about what we deserve. Okay? What we deserve is God's wrath. What we deserve is eternal punishment. And what we deserve is condemnation. And why do we deserve that? Because we have failed God. We have misrepresented God and have sinned against God. God made us. He made the human being. And he said all was good. He was perfect, just the way he designed him. And when sin comes into the world, man redefines good and evil. He he redefines it in his own terms. That which God called evil, men called it good. And that which God called good, men called it evil. And we can see that in our days too. Things have, turn, have turned upside down. So we have failed God. We have misrepresented Him. That image of Himself that He put in us, we turned it upside down. Yes, we're still made in His image. But we have turned away from Him. We turned away from Him. I have I had a conversation once with somebody, um, a Muslim person, that asked me, "When you say that God made you in His image, what do you mean exactly? Do you mean that the way you look, like you know, the way you look, that's exactly how God is?" And I do remember that at the time, um, I stumbled around, you know, the fact that we have a spirit. And you know, God God is a spirit and we have a spirit and you know, stumbled around that a little bit, try to explain a little bit, but today I do understand it a little a little bit more. And if that guy would have asked me again, what do you mean? This is how I would have answered it. Um, he made us perfect the way He designed us to be, the way He wanted us to be, for us to represent Him. Now, when we talk about representing God, I think we should think about an image, a, a statue, for example. If you, have a, if you have ever seen a statue, um, a statue represents somebody, right? Um, I was in Washington, D.C. a couple of months ago and I saw the statue of Abraham Lincoln. That's, I'll, I'll give that as, a, as, as the point of reference. So the statue of Abraham Lincoln was way up high. So when everybody looks at that statue, do they look at Abraham Lincoln? They don't look at Abraham Lincoln. They look at something that represents Abraham Lincoln as a way to remind them of a greater reality, remind them that Abraham Lincoln was a man that lived in a certain time, you know, here in this country, who did this, who did that, and did that, okay? That statue is not necessarily Abraham Lincoln. It's just an image. It's, th- it's just the image to represent Abraham Lincoln. So that's, what, that's how God makes us, to represent him. He made us, in his image, to remind people that we are his representatives. Now, when we turn astray, when we turn our backs on him, we are misrepresenting him. I hope that makes sense. And so, we have all misrepresented God. We have sinned against him, and all that we deserve is God's wrath, God's eternal punishment, and we deserve God's condemnation. And instead, he doesn't give us that. He forgives us. He he gives us grace. He gives us righteousness through Christ who died on the cross for us through the faith that we have in Him. He gives us salvation. And He makes us His children. We don't deserve that, do we? We do not deserve. What we deserve is punishment. We deserve to be thrown into hell. to to suffer forever, for all eternity. That's all we deserve. But because of his goodness, because of his grace, because of his love, today we are called the children of God. Because he himself had to come down to earth and die for our sins. And he gives us grace. So grace is receiving what we do not deserve, which is the righteousness he provides to us through faith, Now, if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't don't know if I have that faith. You do have an opportunity. Christ gives you the opportunity to believe in him and to be called righteous before him. It's through faith in Christ Jesus that we become righteous. When God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ through faith that we have in him. Now, when Paul says here, that is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed. Guaranteed. This word guaranteed is a word that means to assure somebody. It's certain that you are righteous if you have faith in God. There are so many things on this earth that we're not sure about. We're not sure about tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Do we? We don't know. Something might happen as we go to work. Something might happen as soon as we wake up. We're not sure. Even a minute from now, something might happen that, you know, was outside of our thoughts at all. But Paul tells us here that this grace is assured to us when we believe in Christ. It's assured. It's something that we're sure about. When you're sure about something, you don't doubt it, do you? You don't doubt it. You know that it's going to happen, or it's happened already. It's happened. I am a soccer fan. Before a soccer game starts, I'm a little bit anxious. What's going to happen? When my favorite team is playing, I'm a little bit anxious. What's going to happen? Are we going to win? Are we going to draw? Are are we going to lose? You know, I want to watch it. I want to watch it and see everything that happens. And I only rest after the end. If my my team wins, then yes, I celebrate. (laughs) I celebrate. So before the game, I'm anxious because I don't know what's going on. I do not know. But here, Paul tells us that the promise will rest on grace to be guaranteed, to be assured to all his offspring. And you and I are Abraham's offspring because of the faith that we have in Christ. And so this grace is assured to us too. We can have, you can be certain that we, we have grace in Christ Jesus. He gives us mercy in Christ Jesus through faith. If it was based on works by Abraham, that would have failed because Abraham wouldn't have been able to obey all the laws. He would have failed. If it was because of rules, religious rules, do this and do that, don't do this and don't do that, he would have failed because we, we are weak. We wouldn't be able to fulfill all the laws, obey all the laws, all the rules. There are even man-made rules that so we, wouldn't, we wouldn't even be able to do all that stuff. Uh, the last time I spoke at, uh, at the East, I, I spoke about growing up in a very legalist, legalistic church where there were so many rules. Um, if somebody fell sick, we were expected to go to their house. Or so if they were at the hospital, we were expected to go to the hospital and pray with them, which is not a bad thing. But if you did not go because it was expected of you to do that, then if you didn't go... You felt bad. I felt guilty. I was not able to go. Is God mad at me? Is God angry with me right now? Is he going to punish me for not going? So it was something that I put in my life. I, you know, it was just like this burden on me um, that I had, that I had to do that. I have to do this. I have to obey God. So that's just one of the things that we did. And if you didn't get to do it, you would feel guilty. And now you can imagine learning about grace, learning about the mercy of God. I felt like there was a huge burden lifted out of me. I don't have to do this to be able to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't have to do this. That way God can accept me. He accepts me the way I am. And when I do this, it has to be a fruit of what God has done to me. Not doing it so that I can receive God's favor. And that's exactly the mentality that that we should have. Amen. It was not by works. It was the righteousness came from the promise that God made to him if he believed in him he would make him right he would make him righteous and he would give him a son and if it were be, if it was based on circumcision i believe it would be only for the jews because it was the jews that the circumcision came from, uh, came to so it wasn't because of works or because of circumcision none of that it's just because of god's love and he tells us to have faith in him and when Abraham heard the word of God, he had faith in him, and he was counted as righteous, the same way that we're counted as righteous today from faith that we have in him. It's by grace, through faith alone, and it's guaranteed to you and to anybody in the world that believed in, believes in Jesus. Anybody in China? In Asia, in Africa, Australia, anywhere. So it's a joy that we have brothers and sisters anywhere in the world through faith alone. By the grace of God. And that is guaranteed. It's assured. It's assured to us. What a joy. And so faith, as we can see here, faith is not just doing things for God. Faith does not even consist of agreeing with certain realities about the gospel, just agreeing that Jesus came to earth and he died for us, and we think that that is, you know, that's all about faith. It's not just voicing our, you know, voicing that we believe in Jesus, because anybody can do that, right? Right? We can go out there and talk to somebody and they can tell us that they believe that Jesus was really a man that came to the earth and he walked the earth and he died on the cross. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have true faith, saving faith in Christ. Because anybody can profess that. Faith is not just something passive. Faith is active. Faith is acting upon what we believe in. We believe in Christ, then we should act upon that belief that we have in Christ. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many people say, Lord, Lord. They say it. Many people believe, I mean, they, they know, they, they, they recognize that Jesus has existed. He lived on earth. They know that. But they don't necessarily have faith in him. And in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, 6, it says, And without faith is impossible to please him. For, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. So as we can see here, there is no way someone can, can claim to be a Christian if they do not have faith. So faith is something distinctive of us believers in Christ. If we have faith, then we're going to act upon it. It's going to show itself through what we do, not the other way around. Amen. Amen not the other way around. So we have here some distinctive qualities of saving faith. And number one of those that I'll be talking about this morning is saving faith is in God's Word. Saving faith is in God's Word. And we can see that in verse 18, which says, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And so God tells him, just, God just speaks to him. Abraham received the word of God. And it's important to note here that at this time in his life, he was not a believer in God. Abraham, at this time of his life, he was a moon worshiper, Worshiper. He was unconverted. He was an unbeliever at this time of his life. So God comes to him and he makes this promise to him. If you will believe in me, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And Abraham believes in God. And that is why it's counted, he's counted as righteous. So believing in God is trusting in him. Abraham trusted in God that whatever word that God had spoken to him, it was going to happen. He committed himself to God, knowing that God was sovereign and his word was true. He trusted. Abraham relied on God and he rested in God. And let's let's just imagine that, brothers and sisters. Someone who's unconverted, he doesn't know God, he worships other gods, he worships idols, he worships the moon, he worships different gods of the land, and the true God comes to him, and he speaks to him, and he hears God's voice, and he truly believes, that's remarkable. I believe Abraham probably he had never heard about this true God, which is why he was worshiping the other gods. But he hears God's voice and he believes. And I've made a, a transcript here of God's promise to Abraham. It says, "I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you. I will make your name great." I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless all peoples of the earth through you. These are some of the things that God had promised to Abraham. Okay, He promised to Abraham. And the only thing God wanted to, from Abraham was just to have faith in him. Abraham did not have to work at it. He did not have to do anything about it. He didn't have to strive so much to keep the law so that God would fulfill his promise. He didn't have to do any of that. But God made this promise. The only thing he has from Abraham is that he would believe. Just believe. And Abraham did. And as a result, he was counted as a righteous man before God. And one, one thing I'd like to note here from this, from this passage is the fact that this, in this promise, there was the gospel bound up in it. Because today, if we are the offspring, offspring of Abraham, it's through faith. It's because Abraham believed in God and that he is our family. He is our family, spiritually. And so the gospel was going to come from his lineage. So God tells him to trust he had a plan for the future, and Abraham doesn't know these things. The only thing he does at that moment is to believe and believe that God was going to do whatever he said he was going to do. Whatever. He believed it. And also bounded into this promise was the coming of the Messiah. Messiah. So God had a plan for the future, but at, at first he wanted to work with Abraham. And he, at this point in time in, in Abraham's life, he was working with him in his heart, and Abraham believed, and just believed. Not needing to work, out, work it out, or not needing to figure it out on his own, not needing to make it happen, or bring it to completion, he just believed in God and things just happened. Because it was God's plan. He owned the plan and he was going to happen. He was, he was going to make it happen. Not Abraham. He looked at his own body at that time. When he was promised to have a son, he looked at his body and he knew that it was good as dead. Right? It was good as dead. He was advanced in age. He was old. And he looked at his wife's barrenness. He knew that it was impossible at that time to have a child. It was impossible. Close to 100 years old. That was too old, humanly speaking. But when God promised him, he believed. Brothers and sisters, I, this, is, this is something remarkable even to myself. I'm, I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you guys. I, I tend to be very... My faith tends to be to waver, you know, uh, not being that strong sometimes. When I see situations in life... Um, I've been here in the States for about three years now. And at some point, we might go back. My wife and I and a family. We might, we might go back to Africa, Mozambique, where I'm from. And one of the things that keeps me doubtful is God's provision when we get there. I'm not going to have a job. How am I going to feed my family? If I was on my own, that wouldn't be a problem. I, can, I could do this and I could do that, but I have a family. What am I going to do when I I get back? It's not easy to get a job over there. What am I going to do? And that takes away my sleep sometimes, to be honest. I don't have faith. And the word that, I think it was Eric that read, you know, the message this morning about God being able to provide even for birds, He provides even for birds. How about me? He loves me. He calls me righteous through faith. He gives me grace. He gives me everything. And in fact, in 1 Peter it says, He has given me everything that I need for godliness and for life. He has given me everything I need. But I still doubt Him. I still doubt Him. And I think if I'm right, I would say that we all go through, you know, those situations in life. We look at situations in our lives and we're like, man, is, is God going to help me through this? Is he really going to come through? Is he really going to help me through this? But Abraham believed in the situation he was in, 99 years old. Think about a 99-year-old man who is going to have a son. A woman close to that age going to have a son. That is remarkable. And Abraham just believed. He just believed. And what I'd like to highlight this morning is the fact that that God that made that promise To Abraham, he's the same God that we're gathered together to worship this morning. He's still unchanging. He's still the promise keeper. Whatever it is that he has promised to you, he is going to follow through. We can trust in that. We can have faith in him because he's going to do it. He can still be trusted. Just the way Abraham trusted in him, we can trust Him too, that He was going to see it through. Amen. Maybe there is something that you've been hoping that it will happen in your life. It, it still hasn't happened. If it's God's will, you're going to see it through. He, God is going to see it through. He's going to make it happen. Amen. It's It's just simply by trusting in Him. It's by trusting him. But many times when things that we want don't happen in our lives, we tend to be discouraged with God, disappointed with God, but God gives us what is best for us. He knows what is best for us. He knows, and he gives us that. And many times we think that, we think that what is best for us is what we think is best for us, right? And that is why we get disappointed We get disappointed. But God knows the best for us. And He does it for us. Amen. He does it for us. And the second point that I'm going to be talking about here, one of the characteristics of faith is, saving faith is, saving faith is in God's promise. God's word is God's promise. And we can find that in verses 20 and 21. No unbelief Made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. What has he, had he promised? What did God promise to Abraham to make him righteous and to give him a son? And Abraham was convinced he was convinced that whatever God had promised. He was going to do it. And so he was credited as righteous and he had a son because he believed. We may not have been promised to have a son in our days today or to be righteous because we're already righteous because we trust in Jesus. But the Word of God is full of promises for us. It's full of promises. And I tell you, again, this God that we worship, this God that we're gathered to worship this morning, he's a promise keeper, brothers and sisters. He will always keep his promises. He has promised to be with us. In Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. I repeat that. I am with you always to the end of the ages. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is with us. It's good to believe and to have assurance that he is with us always. I know that there are times in our lives that it doesn't really seem like he's in us or he's with us. It doesn't seem like that. But we should believe and have faith that he's in us and he's with us throughout our lives. Amen. He's with us. And many times we think that the sign of being of jesus being with us is when things go right okay that's that's not right he doesn't promise that everything is going to go well if if we trust in him he doesn't promise that but somehow we have in our minds that when things go right then god is with us but when things turn upside down oh god is mad at us god is not with us anymore Maybe we have done something wrong. We have made him upset about something that we've done. No. If we look back in time, even the apostles of Jesus, they suffered, they had moments of turmoil in their lives, right? That is a characteristic of anyone that serves God. In the Bible, there are so many examples of people who have gone through hardship in their lives. But they trusted in the Lord. Paul himself, the one who writes to us, if you study his life, you will see there are moments in his life where, I mean, I can't even describe it. He was in a shipwreck. Remember? He was in a shipwreck. <laughs> and the way he died, if we studied the life report, the way he died, decapitated, Right? You wouldn't say that somebody who trusts in the Lord would go through that. But God doesn't, doesn't promise us that everything would go 100% good just because we trust in Him. He doesn't promise us that. In fact, He said in, in the world we'll have tribulations. But trust in Him because He has conquered the world. He has conquered sin. And if you put your trust in Him, no matter what you go through in your life, no matter what hardship you go through in your life, He's going to see it through. He is going to see it through. Jesus Himself talks about the cost of following Him because there is a cost of following Jesus. There is a cost. In the book of Matthew eight eighteen through 20, it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him. He gave orders to go over the other, other side, and a, a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus did not even have a house. Now, a house is something that, it's something basic, Right? Imagine somebody who doesn't have a house in America. When I worked in construction, we used to live and go to different places. And I remember going through Dover, there was a, there was a homeless man that was always at the intersection inner inner between, 30, I think it's 39 and 77, on the left-hand side as, as you go towards Dover. He set up his tent in the, you know, underneath the tree, and he was there. It was cold but he was always there. And every time we went through and I saw that, I was like, that man is suffering. And it broke my heart to see that. And so Jesus tells us here, he didn't even, he didn't even have a place to lay his head. And what that means is, there is a cost if you want to follow me. And there is a cost for each and every one of us if you truly put our trust in Jesus, there is a cost. We're going to suffer. We're going to be hated for it. We'll probably die because of it, because of our faith. But we shouldn't let that put us down. We shouldn't let that put our faith down. Amen. Because Jesus, Jesus is within us. Christ is in our lives. He also has promised to work everything together for our good. And I know that the things that happen in our daily lives, sometimes they don't, they don't seem to be working together for our good. They don't seem that way. But God uses those circumstances to bring his glory to completion into the world. In Romans eight twenty-eight, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So brothers and sisters, if you are sure that you have been called to serve God, you can be sure that everything that God does in your life, it's going to be for his glory. And I know, again, I know, I know there are hurtful things. Sometimes what brings him glo- His glory is hurtful to us. It hurts us so much. And sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that we're asking, God, how does this bring you glory? Please tell me, how does this bring you glory? But it does. It does. It's just a matter of trusting in Him and acting upon it. Amen. Trust in Him and act upon it. And number three, He promises promises us that nothing can separate us from His love. Nothing can separate us from Him. And that can be found in chapter 8 of Romans 38 and 39. For I'm sure that neither death nor life no angels, no rulers, no things present, no things to come, no powers, no height or depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we can be certain of that. There is nothing, nothing in this world nothing on this earth that will be able to separate us from the love of God and that is joyful to know that is joyful to think about and he knows that there are things in life that can disappoint us right and I know people that have gotten disappointed because of things that have happened in their lives and they decided to leave the faith because they either got mad at God they felt disappointed by God and they felt that if he's God, then he's this God that made that happen, that supposedly made that happen, he cannot be a good God. So they left the faith. And what I would say about that is I'm not sure if that person was truly a believer. Because if you truly have faith in Jesus, you know him and you believe in him, you know that whatever happens in life, it's just in his hands. That's a part of surrendering to him, surrendering all to him, and he'll take care of you. And again, it doesn't seem that way sometimes, but he's in control of our lives, 100%. And there's nothing we can do about that. Once saved, saved forever. Once saved, saved forever. And I know there are people sometimes struggle with that. What about the sins to come? What about, you know, he can, yes, if you have been saved, he has forgiven you. Past sins, present sins, and future sins. I know we can struggle with that as well, but one thing that we need to remember is when Christ died, all our sins were future, right? (laughs) They were future. They were future. So it's not hard for me to forgive all our sins. All we gotta do is just to trust in him. That this is a promise that he has given us and he will see it through. Amen. And number three, point number three this morning that I'll be talking about is saving faith leads to righteousness for all who believe. And that includes you and I here in America. It includes people in Asia, it includes people in Africa, everywhere and anywhere. And that is a joy, brothers and sisters. It's a joy. When I, was, when I was in Mozambique and I thought of coming to the States, I do remember that I was sure that I was going to find my fellow believers here. And that was a very big encouragement to me. And actually, one of the first, you know, people that I I met, it was Matt Rao. (laughs) Um, And he, if you know Matt Rao, he's very encouraging, very, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I cannot even start speaking about how encouraging he was to me, and yeah. Um, It's encouraging to know that wherever you go, you can find believers in Christ, people who are Gentiles, but have been justified by faith alone through grace. Amen. And you can know that this person really trusts in the Lord. You can know. God is generous, and he extends his generosity to each and every person that trusts in him. And he provides grace, he provides love, he provides mercy and righteousness to them. He is rich in these things. He is rich in love and he gives it away. He is rich in mercy, he gives it away to us. All we got to do is just to have faith in him and to trust in him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what family you were born to. It doesn't matter your level of intellectuality or your level of education. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you've been through in your life. None of that matters. What matters is if you have faith in Him, He counts you as righteous before Him. That's what matters. And if we look at us, when we have a lot of something, do we give away? That's the contrast between us and God. You know, for us, we just want, the more we have, the better, right? We keep it to ourselves. The more we have, the better. We keep gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering. We don't want to give it away. But God is the opposite. He's rich in love and grace and faithfulness and he gives it away to his children. He gives it away. And you and I can, can be assured this morning that that God that we, we worship this morning is right here. And if you're unsure about your faith, you have an opportunity to really, truly trust him with your life. Trust him with everything you got. Everything. He can be trusted. He is trustworthy. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been broken, you know, because of something that or someone that you trusted before and they you know they didn't keep their promise or you know you got disappointed because of something that something somebody did to you and you didn't expect it to be like like that. But God is not like that. God is perfect. And every promise that he has made in his word, he's going to see it through. And he's going to accomplish it. Amen. He is going to accomplish it. As long as you believe. And as I close, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And I'm going to share with you one illustration from the scriptures themselves that is very, very encouraging to me. It's about the story of Matthew. Remember when when Matthew got called by Jesus? He was sitting at his tax collector's booth, right? He was collecting taxes from people. Jesus comes to him and tells him, come and follow me. Immediately, immediately, he goes and follows Jesus. Think about that. Think about that. He leaves everything and he follows Jesus. And that's what Jesus is asking for us. Leave it all behind and follow me. Leave it all behind and I'll take care of you. Leave it all behind. I'll count you as righteous if if you believe in me. And this is very, very encouraging to me. Knowing that this man, he could have said, well, what about all my wealth? What about my family? What about this? What about that? And we can say that too today, but Jesus calls us, leave it all behind and follow me. doesn't necessarily mean that you should just abandon your family and go. <laughs> That's not necessarily what it, what it means. Live with your family, but you know whatever it is that distracts you from following Christ, leave it all behind and trust in him and he'll see you through. That's a promise he makes in his word, and he's going to fulfill that promise. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you, you call us righteous, even though we do not deserve it. But because of your son, Jesus, you have made us righteous through faith, through your grace. We thank you so much for your word. This morning, we thank you that You have saved us we thank you that you are with us and you promise to be with us always till the end of the ages it's very encouraging God I pray that as we go out this morning to our daily routines I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us and help us God to just follow you follow you with everything that we have to trust you with everything that we have because you will see us through Let us trust in that, Lord. Let us abide in you. Let us love you. And let us trust you fully. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.